Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this From the Field episode, Managing Editor Brian Gorman interviews Sarah Gaeta, Interim Chief Executive Officer of Sage Beacon and a seasoned professional, as Sarah shares powerful insights from her years as a hands-on leader of change. We hope you enjoy this installment of the Change Management Review Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast. I'm Brian Gorman, Change Management Review's Managing Editor, and our guest today is Sarah Gaeta. Sarah is CEO of Sage Beacon. Prior to joining Sage Beacon, she served multiple leadership roles at TiVo Corporation, during which she applied artificial intelligence and machine learning to automate mundane operational tasks, freeing employees to enrich and expand product offerings. She also led the operating model and commercial lifecycle implementation and evolution, establishing operational cadence and business rigor to provide near real-time visibility into resource allocation, spend versus budget, and new pipeline management. Recently honored as one of the 50 most powerful women in technology, Sarah received her BA from Stanford University and a master's in education from Harvard. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So when we met prior to this podcast, immediately you jumped into telling me about Sage Beacon and why that the work that you're doing there excites you so much. So I'm going to ask you to start there. Tell us a little bit about Sage Beacon and um, how it came about and what you're doing. Oh, happy to. So I joined Sage Beacon just a few months ago, I guess two full months ago. Um, and we are a startup. We're pre-funded. So we are going out now to look for funding. And the problem that we're attacking is one that is traditionally pretty rampant in organizations, but with the um, with the world pandemic and we have distributed workforces, it's even more problematic. And that is that employees and team members want to collaborate and work together to execute on strategic objectives because achieving those objectives means the business moves forward and it grows. A lot of times it's very difficult to do this because you run into some roadblocks and as an individual, you're like, I'm not really sure how to solve my roadblock and maybe nothing gets done. So what Sage Beacon does is we apply people-focused analytics to identify those shared challenges across the organization and the synergies, meaning if more than one person has a shared challenge, they probably also can work together as a synergy to solve that challenge and then uh, execute on that objective. So that's what we're focused on. And we are using AI engines, that's our people-focused analytics to do it. Uh, And, you know, it really comes down to a very simple thing. We ask one question. In regards to this strategic objective, what are your needs and what are your challenges? And by asking that of all the stakeholders in in that strategic objective, we're able to collect commonalities. We're able to recognize sentiment about the uh, situation of executing against that objective. And we're able to provide a dashboard so that leadership and participants can 
see that there where there are challenges and they can move to address them quickly and, and remove them out of the way so that that execution can continue. Sarah, you're a startup. Where do you get artificial intelligence to work with when you've been around for two months? Yeah. So the good news is the startup's been around for about five months. I just started a few months into it. I have a great question. So many companies, including IBM, Facebook, and Google, and a few others, they've open sourced or made available public APIs for using their uh, AI engines. And so the great news for a startup like ours is that we don't have to create the algorithms and then obtain all the data sets to train the algorithms. They already exist. And so we can make use of the brain power, if you will, that those companies have already invested and created in these AI engines, and we can use them for our application without having to do that heavy lifting. Uh, And so it makes it much faster and easier for us because our special sauce is going to be in, or I should say is in, how we make, in what order we make use of those AI engines and how we um, interpret the outcomes of the AI engines to provide this visibility to our customers. Would you be able to give us a example of how this might work for a client? Yes, actually. Uh, and this is really the story of the customer where the idea was proven out, if you will, for Sage Beacon. So, um, the founder of Sage Beacon has another business and he was working with a client and that client uh, was trying to hire five engineers in the Bay Area, so in Silicon Valley. And that can be a very difficult challenge because the engineers are very hot commodity. And so um, engineers with particular skill sets and experience worlds are very much sought after. So this customer, this client of his, had been trying to hire these engineers for about four months, and they had had no success. They brought the founder in to help them, because his focus was on recruiting, uh, in to help them solve this. And after another three to four months, they still hadn't solved it. Like, they still had not hired a single one. And during that experience working with them, he recognized that while everybody believed that they were... working in concert towards this goal of hiring the five engineers, they were actually unaware of the challenges each other was facing. And because of that, their motion of of working on this never changed. And you can't keep doing the same old thing and expect to get different results. So what he did was he said, you know what, I'm just going to talk to all the stakeholders and I'm going to ask them, what is your need? What are your needs and what are your challenges related to this objective? So he did that. He gathered the data. He ran it through AI engines that are now publicly available and that he had actually already started working with in other ways. And what came out of that was a very interesting, um, what we call a dashboard, where we show the different functional groups output. So these are my needs as a functional group or as an individual. And we also shared it at the sentiment. So how important or how frustrating, how high energy was this issue? And what he was able to identify in that was that while multiple people had the same challenge, there was one challenge that only two people had. So you might think, 
geez, only two people have it. It's not that interesting or not that important because, you know, five or six people have this other one. Well, it turned out that 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 one challenge that the two people shared was actually the most frustrating out of all the challenges from the sentiment score. So I thought, you know, I'm going to show it to them. I'll point out the volume of shared uh, challenges, but I'm also going to point out this emotional element to it. And those two people who were so frustrated got to, when they saw that, they got together and they said, okay, let's have a discussion. Why is it frustrating to you? Because I'll tell you why it's frustrating to me. And they figured out how they could resolve each other's frustrations. And by doing that, they could work together. So um, what they did was the hiring manager blocked off time on the calendar every day to be able to look at and speak with candidates. The recruiting manager made a point of filling up all of that available time, if you will, and having great candidates to send. And in one month, they hired the five engineers that they had struggled for eight to nine months to hire before that. And it, they had continued doing the same old thing and same old thing. And by surfacing it, like, oh, well, we can solve this. We're smart people. And so we enabled those two stakeholders who were so central to the operation to jump in and solve it really and really be invested in it. You know, what's interesting, Sarah, about that story, I'm, I'm an old-fashioned change management practitioner. You know, I've been doing this work for decades. And um, one of the, the things, the first interview I ever did with uh, Teresa Moulton, our editor-in-chief, um, I talked about how my whole focus is all change is personal. Organizations don't change. People change. And when people change, the organizations change. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm listening to you, um, what fascinates me is that you're using machine intelligence, if you will, to surface human emotion. And, and that is so much a key part of change management. When you look at the market, you look at the world of change going on. Do you have any sense of the types of change that this technology, if you will, is best applied to? So I, I think, you know, what you just said is really the key element, and that is that the humans need to change. And it's, it's through human change that we can affect organizational or business change. And so our approach is to really look at and hold the humans, the people as the center of the knowledge, the center of the action, the center of the, the universe, really, and really apply an outward mindset of how can we enable those people to work with their own colleagues, with their own organizations as a whole, but as people, put the people first to affect that change. So in that regard, I'd say that any change that needs to happen could be addressed by our solution. Now, we know that the world today is, is very different than it was at the beginning of 2020, right? I mean, we have tremendous 
workforce changes, with a lot of remote workforce, with a lot of workforce who who is essential and is going in in person, and and you know they have their own personal challenges and concerns in doing that. So how do you bring that human element into how you help your organization evolve? It's it's really by putting the people first. We've got a lot of old systems out there that don't allow for or really aren't able to respond to change in this dynamic nature that we have now. So, you know, those old systems of, oh, well, here are the here are the organizational strategic objectives, and then we'll we'll push those down through the organization. And by the time it gets to the bottom person, they don't know what to do. Well, guess what? By the time you've done that, that objective has needed to change because the world is so dynamic right now, right? Consumer behavior is changing every day. There is nothing that we've done in the past that we can use to say, here's how we deal with it in the future. Um, so we've got this new normal of uncertainty. And I think the application where Sage Beacon is really focused is to help that feedback loop be constant, be fast, be real time, and be human focused so that the people can drive that feedback loop and the people are providing the information to that feedback loop so that the people can make decisions on how best to move forward. Listening to your answer raises a a question for me um, around stakeholders because Clearly, inside of the organization, uh, employees are key stakeholders to successfully executing strategy. But as I was listening to you, you also talk about changing consumer behavior. Are you applying your, again, do I call it a methodology, a technology? All of the above. (laughs) Do you apply all of the above? Um, to understand shifting stakeholder behavior as well. So uh, I think you're asking about kind of inside an organization versus external to the organization participants as well. Um, You know, that's not an area that we're focused on currently. Uh, Could that happen? Probably. Uh, If we have a customer who is intrigued to say, hey, you know, I'd like to hear from my consumers, We'd want to make sure that it wasn't just an open-ended, but it's really about a specific goal because our focus is really, if you have clarity of what you're trying to achieve, then we can help you identify roadblocks that are keeping you from being able to achieve what you're trying to, keeping you from being able to execute on the actions or the tactics you need to take to achieve that. Um, How much does that involve parties external to the organization? It's going to depend Right. I mean, if you're a B2B company and you've got your partners, you probably have some some mutual goals where that would be a really great thing to do is to bring everybody together in this way to understand what challenges are being faced. And, you know, someday, hopefully there'll be no challenges. Um, If you're B2C, it might be a little bit more involved and maybe less clear as to how to bring your target consumer into the whole process. So as I'm listening to you, my sense is that the earlier in the design, even, if you will, of the the change strategy, the more effective you can be. And it sounds like 
there is an ongoing role for feedback through this approach throughout the, the execution of the, the change until the strategic objectives are being met. Is that, is that accurate? That's very accurate. You know, having done so much change management in my career, uh, it's very, it's often the case where um, the leaders outline, here's the North Star, here's where we want to get to. And people can see that that's maybe somewhat to dramatically different from where they are. And so there's a lot of concern that will happen across the employee base of, gosh, how are we going to get there? Oh, my God, what does it mean to my job? What am I going to have to learn? What do I have to stop doing? You know, just a myriad of things, right? So our approach is, great, you have your North Star. You've probably identified the first few activities or actions you're going to take to start the process to get there. That's where you can apply Sage Beacon because the smoother that you can make those actions occur, and that will be in a faster or shorter time frame, by putting the person first in all of that, it makes it much easier for people to accept the change, the rate of change, and to get on board with helping to navigate to that North Star. And as you go along, because you typically don't have a straight pathway, I mean, nothing nothing ever really is a straight pathway in change management, you can do your course corrections and assessments against that North Star in, in an almost real time, in near real time. Uh, and I think it also, by doing that, you provide the participants a way to own some of that. And when you own something as a human, you're much more uh, caring with it and you put your best foot forward with it. And I think that's where a, a real breakdown in traditional or historic change management approaches have been is that they aren't pulling the, the participants into it. The employees, the employees have no ownership of the outcome or the process or the tactics and so they feel like they're being forced to do things. And our approach is, no, make them the center of it, because then they will fuel it and drive it in a way that's a self-driven. And the North Star is what management keeps focusing on. And, and you know, you let the, the organizational energy get you there. We just recently published a, a couple of articles, actually, by a graduate student in Europe who looked at or uh, employees inside of an organization and how they viewed things like the, the change agent. Um, and, and one of the fascinating things about his research was people in finance look at change roles and change very differently than people in IT or um, in, in HR and so forth. And, so again, listening to you, it sounds to me like you're offering the perfect tool for understanding the dynamics, not broadly across the organization, but in very focused ways so that the challenges, however they're seen in different parts of the organization can be approached um, more appropriately. Uh, yes, I would say that. Absolutely. And, you know, here's the interesting, the example that I gave you a few minutes ago about the company who was trying to hire five engineers. The two stakeholders 
who who had the highest emotion tied with that challenge and who got together and once they resolved their issues, their their shared roadblocks, they were able to move forward and get these people hired. They're from two different groups, right? One was engineering and one was recruiting and HR. So it's a solution that can apply within a functional organization. It can also apply across different functional areas of a company that need to work together. Uh, you know, take an example of, um, and this is kind of in my out of my wheelhouse, having done a lot of product management for a long time. A product manager, at least in high tech companies, in my view, and this will be my perspective, is at the center of the hub. And the hub, the, all the spokes of the hub include engineering and quality assurance testing and program management and sales and marketing and product marketing and finance and legal and you know just kind of all the functional areas of a traditional company. And they're at that hub. And it can be really frustrating to have a target release date for some capabilities or a product and you're trying to chase people and your program manager is trying to help you chase people to figure out where we line up, et cetera. And usually what happens in that situation is you miss the date and then you have to try to go in arrears, called it retrospective, and try to figure out what caused us to miss the date. What can we learn from it? How can we avoid doing it in the future? With a solution like Sage Beacon, you could apply that, uh, our approach, really every week to all of those stakeholders and be eliciting on a timely basis the challenges they're facing so that instead of doing retrospectives, you're doing prospectives. You're saying, I anticipate, I see that X is starting to become an issue for a couple of the different groups. Let's address it now so it doesn't become an issue across everybody, right? So like you can start to knock them down before they become big and keep everything moving forward. And that's by putting the people at the center and listening to them because they know what they're doing. We serve two key constituencies at Change Management Review. Uh, More senior change practitioners and uh, organizational leaders of change. So this is a two-part question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. what do leaders need to do differently or how do leaders need to think differently in order to apply this approach on changes for which they're responsible? Is that part one or the whole thing? That's part okay, one. Okay, part one. So uh, having been in that leadership position of trying to drive change, What I found works best and where I think Sage Beacon is, that's where the sweet spot for Sage Beacon solution is, is that the leaders don't have all the answers, but many change leaders or just leaders in general think they have to have all the answers. And by bringing into the process, into the effort, the feet on the street, feet on the ground who actually are the ones executing it, they will find the answers if you give them the opportunity. And that brings them in as humans, not as robots or just execution sort of venues. So I think that's a major one that um, that leaders need to keep in mind is bring the people into it. You help establish that North Star, that vision of where you need to go. 
have your teams own figuring out how to get there. And maybe it's one step at a time. So you say, okay, this is the first step. We take it. Now we got to figure out this second step. With Sage Beacon Solution, as you're going through those executions, you can quickly surface any challenges so you can stay on track. Or you might learn that that pathway you want to go down is increasingly unattainable. So let's shift and figure out an alternative. Part two. Okay. And then, and then you just raised the new question for me. Part, part two, as change practitioners, those um, internal or external consultants working with change leaders, what does this approach mean for them? So I think this approach would mean for them is that um, from the moment of starting to focus on the execution, trying to get it going to actually fulfilling that execution, you have um, much greater visibility and you have quicker turnaround on that visibility. And, you know, it's kind of goes back to the old adage of if you don't know there's a problem, there's nothing you can do to fix it. And that's what we're trying to focus on is let's surface those and they may not be problems in the big sense, but they're little P problems, like they're challenges. Let's surface those for the people who have them and for the people who are guiding those folks and can support them so those can be solved as you go along and not wait and fester until the when you're trying to have an output or a result and you don't get there. Listening again to how this approach might be used, it sounds well-suited to... Agile change management. Uh, yes, I think. Well, so I don't know that I'd call it agile. Um, any change management has outcomes that are desired, that are targeted. And whether those outcomes are going to be, are expected to be in six months or six minutes or six days, there's change that has to be happening and there's coordination that has to be happening. And it's the people who do the change. So having visibility into those change efforts the whole way through can make it a much smoother process and more efficient. And as we all know, change is something that for humans is often very difficult and humans will push back against. And I think a lot of that is because they're unaware of what's changing, how it's going to affect them, et cetera. And when you use a, a program or an approach like Sage Beacons, where you're surfacing those changes and you're surfacing those challenges from the person's perspective all the time, then they're bought into it and they are the change agent that's going to make it happen. There are just so many areas, Sarah, where I see this bringing value. Again, as we move through resistance to commitment. Um, what you're talking about is, I'm here now, what do I need to do to get to the next step? So I see tremendous, tremendous value. What else is important for change management review listeners to know about this whole approach and what it brings to the field of change management? As I've said, this approach is uh, very human-centric, so it's the person-centric. And 
the ways that you um, engage that person and their thoughts and their emotions into the process, we are working on that. Uh, we believe in the human touch. You know, some people will want to have, we will want to speak with someone to provide their input. We call that an interview. That's fine. Some people will want to maybe um, just type it in themselves. Others will want to dictate it into a computer or a phone. So we're looking to address all those potential modalities for that input so that uh, we make it really frictionless for everybody to participate. And then for visually showing the answers, if you will, the data, right? The data isn't the answers, but how do you group that into a coherent, co co cogent message and actionable information? Um, we're working on that visualization as well. We want it to be available 24-7 uh, because, you know, you might have global groups, for example. I know I managed people around the world. So when I was sleeping, they were working and, you know, you just want to be able to see that all the time. So I think it's important for change management professionals to really think about how do you keep that human at the center of what you do, be outward mindset, because that's how the change will actually happen in a very organic way um, that enables leaders to kind of um, give the directions and the enablements, but not have to stress about the actual execution part. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this From the Field episode of the Change Management Review podcast with Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of the Change Management Review, and Sarah Gaeta. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.